Welcome everyone to Rules the Arena episode 32. This episode is made possible by Blind Ninja Studios. <coughs> Where you can find this show and others such as Department of Fence, Homebrew Bound, Soundwave, and Legends of Lothos. We are also brought to you by Duck Hill Workshop, a small-scale sawmill and builders of fine furniture. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Duck Hill Workshop. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can watch the episodes of Workshop Wednesday and In the Shop with Ben and Glenn. This week, we have Tom from naturesnectaronline.com uh, back for part two. Uh, welcome back, Tom. Thanks for coming down. Oh, thanks for having me. But some big news. You're no longer just naturesnectaronline.com. You now have a storefront. We are now officially Nature's Nectar and naturesnectaronline.com. So just in case anybody's new listeners, they didn't listen to that. So if you wanted to listen to the first episode with Tom, it's episode 11. You can go check that out. Anyone not that hasn't listened to that yet, just introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, yeah, uh, Tom Minzer. Um, we just purchased Nature's Nectar, which is a longtime company. It's been in business for a little over 23 years. Um, we purchased it from the previous owner who finally decided to retire for the third time in his life. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we took that over um, almost almost eight months ago now. So how are things been going at the store so far? Oh, really good. Everybody... Um, Jim was a little bit out there in, in Stillwater, kind of rural area. So we are now located in Oakdale, which everybody loves the location. Minus, of course, right after we rent the place, they decide to build a bridge over Hadley. So, <laughs> And Google, for some reason, does not want to recognize the little frontage road that they built that leads right to our shop. So it takes people on a little corn hike all over the place. Where in Oakdale are you guys? We are directly on the opposite side of Fleet Farm on 36. Oh, okay. Yep. There's a little strip mall there. There's a pool and patio place and a, an appliance store, and we're at the very end in the Healthy for Life building. Very cool. Yeah. So now running a store, I mean, the sign says you close at you know 5 o'clock, for example. Uh, how much more or less work are you doing now that you've taken on the storefront and the online side of things? Well, actually, the storefront is the majority of the business. It's it's not atypical as far as other storefronts where you can just go in, buy something, and get out and know what you're doing. the The, the deal with our shop is it's it's very hands on, and um, you can go to Fleet Farm, for instance, and buy beekeeping equipment. And if you ask any of the employees at Fleet Farm how to use any of it. <laughs> you'll get a blank stare like a pretty much like a cow in a cornfield type of deal so yeah the the typical big box store 15 minute training video correct yeah zero training on yeah. beekeeping yeah Here, here's how to sell the yeah. the product but yeah, yeah. you don't we'll, need we'll to point you to the aisle and that's about this information <laughs> as you're going to get now with the storefront are you still taking or you know people for you know whether it's a time or distance constraint can they still go through nature's nectar online yep 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 we have a full online shopping cart um you can basically buy everything we're we're a man lake dealer and there's one one dealer per state but we um everything in man lakes catalog we're cheaper than all their prices including the little deals and stuff that 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 man lake has and Obviously, people most people wouldn't drive up to Man Lake because it's in Hackensack, which is just a shade under four and a half hours from. The None of those sound like real places. Yeah. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. <laughs> Northern Minnesota, a a. Now, are you still working at local farmer markets? And well, you're just saying you're over at the Washington County State Fair. Or, yeah, uh, County Fair. Excuse me. Yeah, we'll be. Uh, we were at the Ramsey County Fair, the Washington County Fair. We're at several farmers markets. 
um, during the week, and we also do information at the state fair. So, have you expanded what you're selling at the fairs now? Last time you're here, you you're selling honey, you know, your different types of honey that you can get here, and maple syrup. Have you expanded to maybe people if they want to come grab some equipment, or do they need to go to the store for that? No, normally we're just kind of at the fairs. It's more along the lines of getting the brand out there. The honey is just kind of a little bonus sideline. Um, for a little extra cash in the pocket type deal. But for the most part, we're out there trying to get new people into beekeeping basically is the deal. So we hand out business cards and brochures and information and, you know, tell them this is how you want to, you know, this is the store you need to go to to start beekeeping if you wanted to do something like that. And last time you were on, we talked a lot off air that you were in the process of taking over the business. Was opening a storefront part of the plan or was that already in place for you? So it was just a lock and key for you? No, actually, we were going to we were going to run the the business out of our house, which we had moved from North Branch down to Stillwater for that main purpose, and we kind of run into run into a little issue with the. Um, we'll just say we run into a little issue with the town board, so we'll we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and but with the prolifer pro, pro oh my god proliferation thank you <laughs> of online sales today why did you decide to go with a storefront and why not just keep it strictly online it goes basically back to information so the reason jim's business nature's nectar previous was so so lucrative is is the fact that you could go into the store buy the equipment and then figure out how to use it right there in the store and just like any kind of uh, agricultural business or or, or animal related business you know, you could ask three beekeepers three questions, get 10 different answers. So, um, and we, we follow the U of M. So we supply the U of M with all their equipment and everything and we kind of a, a relationship there. So, and they have plenty of training courses and classes that we do with the U. So we kind of, kind of drift off of them a little bit and then basically people come into the store, get all the information that they need because it's, it's something that every day you do beekeeping there's a new question, a new, you know, why did they do this and why are they doing this? And it's just a lot of questions and they need answers and you can't get that online or, or, or just, you know, big box store. Would you say that's a big driver for customers like myself? I live almost two hours away from here to drive to a store that's restricted by hours. So I got to kind of plan my trip around that versus where I can just go, you know, Amazon or whatever the case may be. Correct. And just order it there. Yep. Yep. I mean, we have, we have customers that come from, you know, an hour drive is nothing because they, they, they need more of the information than the equipment. More the big, sorry. <clears throat> no, 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 well, I was going to say, uh, kind of building off of that. Do you see a lot of people who they're like, okay, I got all this stuff online. Uh, and I thought I knew how to use it. But actually, how do I come into the store? Or? Oh, constant. We okay. actually have people that will pull into the shop and I'll go out and follow them out to their car. They'll pop their trunk and here's everything from Fleet Farm. And they have no idea what to use it with. You know, either they had gotten it as a present or they, you know, thought that they needed it and they didn't. So they would come to our store and try to figure it out and then turn all around and go return it at Fleet Farm. So. And, you know, in that case, you know, like for me, I went to or I went online because, again, I live in BFE. Is there any way, you know, I can I bring my equipment to the store like, hey, can you help me figure this out or should, is this really bad and I should really just upgrade to what you're using? It's not so much bad versus good products. Um, 
it's more along the lines of, like you said, how to use it type of deal. So we kind of structured the business. So <clears throat> the store would be open a certain amount of time, but then we would also be able to bring equipment back to the house and you could pick it up there type of deal. And instead of having a hard line phone at the shop, we decided to just go with a cell phone and basically pass that out to everybody and said, hey, you know, you're in the middle of, of, of your, your B yard at, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon and you're not gonna be able to make it to the shop and you have major questions, just give us a call, kind of, you know, hands on. Do you guys do like a consulting service then or is it just call in if you have a question and? Just call in and have a question, uh, call in and answer, get your questions answered and then, you know, hopefully that knowledge will, you know. But that'll build like a brand loyalty. Basically, come back, you know, why, why go to Fleet Farm when this guy told me, you know, Nature's Nectar told us exactly what we needed to do when we needed to do it and I got the help there. So, and to top it off, we're cheaper than uh, Fleet Farm anyway, so. What about ordering queens? I mean, this spring you had what looked like pallets of different hives, I guess? Well, actually, that was probably packaged bees. So, to in order to start beekeeping, you have to start with bees, and bees come with a queen. Um, and, yeah, we do get pallets. We're pretty much, I would say, the number one distributor of packaged bees in the Midwest. And we're going to actually expand that next year to because we we ended up selling out. I mean, we take start taking package bee orders in January, which another tough part of the business is nobody's thinking about raising bees in January. You know, they're thinking about an island somewhere or <laughs> how to stay warm. They're not thinking about, oh, let's go out into the bee yard and look at bees flying around. Well, it's like so. painting, which you also do. And that's how we originally met. Correct. You know, yep. people <clears throat> middle of summer. Oh, I want to have my house painted this summer. Well, you should have called back yeah. over the winter Ex- when it's cold out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so we take orders in January and we usually sell out by February, February, March. What about again, people that live at a decent distance? I mean, can they have the Queens direct ship to them or the bee uh, package ship to them or do they still need to come down to the storefront in order or get it from you? Yeah, it's best to, so here's, here's another uh, dig on fleet farm and a couple other stores. A lot of these stores are offering package bees to be shipped. And right in their um, statement or their whatever you want to call it, the fine print, let's just say, they say in the bottom of a package, three inches of dead bees is considered acceptable Whoa! when you get your bees shipped to you. What Seems kind like of a lot of dead bees. So a typical package weighs about three pounds. That's what we sell. We sell three. We used to sell two pound packages and now we just moved to one straight. Is that the gross weight or is that you get That's three pounds of bees? Bees, of actual bees. And... Um, and other companies, you know, that, that ship it are saying the same thing. We've kind of figured that an inch of dead bees is close to a pound worth of dead bees. So you're paying wow. for a three pound package and, and getting three a two pounds pound, of dead bees. Yeah, and getting a two pound <laughs> with a pound of dead bees. Not to mention this, uh, people, you got you got to treat it as this is these, these are animals. These you know this is an insect. So shipping it, sitting at the post office, stress. It's basically like I tell people, would you ship a dozen puppies in a box to somebody? Would you ship that? Probably not. So it's kind of treated the same way. I mean, packaged bees, you know, they're, they're, they're right, right around 135 bucks. So it's not something you want to pay 135 bucks for and have it die at the post office because now what? Now, you know, yeah. now you're behind the eight ball and trying to find yeah. another package of bees and it's hard. Well, in your shipping... You're, or you're getting bees out of California. Correct. Yep. So, I mean, how stressful is that for the bees to travel? I mean, to drive out to California is a two-day trip easy. I mean, one of my hobbies is reptiles, and you always easy? do. That's two 12-hour days on the, in the car, isn't it? That's not that bad. 
Okay. I, I, I've road tripped to Salem, Massachusetts and Tennessee and New Orleans before. It's like, well, whatever now. And then with my full-time job, it's like, oh, two hours yeah. now. That's a quick jog. Right, right. <laughs> but like, I, I, I'm a reptile enthusiast. It's always overnight shipping. And, of course, there's certain companies and you can go on forums and, like, oh, these guys are really good at shipping. These ones are not so good because my animal came back dead. How much stress are you putting on the bees for that shipping? Well, that's the good thing about our supplier. The um, we deal with Oliveira's Honey Bees in California. He's again, he's pretty much you know the biggest name in 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 package bees and queens. He he, I mean, he even has a queen rearing facility on the Hawaiian Islands. So uh, he's definitely not you know small time, and he figures it out. And and the shipping of the bees, it's it's a special shipping container built just for shipping bees. And the bees actually come with a big, uh, it's, a, it's a feeder can, so they have feed, and 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 the and the and the trailer is actually it's 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 kind of high tech. It actually it's hooked up via satellite, and sensors are placed in between all the pallets, and they can tell the exact temperature between each pallet, and the driver can then open or shut different vents to make these bees as comfortable as possible. Because obviously, you know they're shipping close to 1,400 to 1,900 packages of bees oh, that wow. has a hefty price tag of yeah. basically, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. They don't want them to die because I'm not responsible for them until they are unloaded at my facility. So, and with me, I've worked in shipping and receiving for way too long. A uh, bad shipment of product to me, where it's not animals. It's, it used to be clothes or it used to be paint. If I see something wrong, I can refuse shipment. Can you do that as a as a you know um, you know a storefront? I wouldn't call it refusing shipment because you know obviously bees is is basically nature's nectar's bread and butter, and you kind of don't want to bite that hand that feeds you type of deal. So, um, but in the twenty let's see twenty three years now plus me one so twenty four years of shipping bees, we've never had a major issue. The only time Oliveira's had an issue is the truck had actually crashed, and obviously it had nothing to do with me, and basically the next day he had another truck full of bees getting shipped, so it was a, basically a one-day delay. Sure. So. Now, aside from well, ordering a queen, coming from California or Hawaii, it's a little bit different climate than here. I mean, wintering's probably a little bit different down there. Why would I want to go through you if you're coming from the West Coast versus if I just walked down and grabbed, you know, order to be from a local dealer who, you know, they're what, a year and a half old when your customers get them, give or take? The Queen? Yes. No, the Queen's year. brand spanking new. Brand new. Yep. So why not get a Queen up here that might be, uh, I guess, adjusted to the climate, for lack of better words? Because bees, first of all, they don't have to adjust to any climate. Um, they're, they're basically an insect, so they go by temperature. And the main reason is everybody gets their package bees from some part down south, whether it be Florida, Missouri, wherever they're getting it from, it comes down south. Because we aren't able to start bees here in Minnesota or Wisconsin, northern states. We can't start bees here. So you wouldn't be able to get a package. You wouldn't be able to get the volume of package bees that you would need. So if I go online, I Google local bee supplier yep. and they say 100% Wisconsin or Minnesota local, they're not truly local. 
Well, if they're selling the bees, yeah, and everybody, and you actually have to have um, credentials with your bees saying that they came from California and they get in, you know inspected and all, the whole works. So. Kind of like the honey, like like we talked about, if the first ingredient on the back of your honey bottle is fruit high fructose corn syrup, yeah, it's not, it's not pure honey. honey. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, there's a little bit of um, technicality that goes across, you know, goes along with the the shipment of the bees, but. If you're getting a package B in a northern northern state, it's definitely from a southern state. Now, with that being said, you can definitely get bees from, let's say, Wisconsin, Minnesota, but you're not going to get them. We get them delivered in April. You wouldn't get those bees until late, late June, basically, is when when you're able to do a divide. So aside from just ordering queen, I mean, what else would I need to purchase in order to get a hive up and running? So... At the store, basically anywhere, you need to start with your equipment, your boxes, we call them. So there's deeps and mediums, and there's a whole bunch of you know technical jargon that we're not going to get into. But it's basically you get a hive set up, which would be consist of different components. Then you would need the equipment that you would need to go into that hive, and then you would need protective clothing. So, well, you're talking about the deep and medium. I mean, is there an advantage to any of those? Um, for say this is my first year I just ordered bees and I'm now looking at my brand new hive what would I want to order yeah and it's kind of an industry kind of type of standard I I guess you could say um, deep boxes or brood boxes are are standard so typically you either follow the U of M it uh, basically preaches a three deep method so it's three deep or taller boxes and um, and that's where your bees would basically breed and, and, you know, lay eggs and, you know, make the, make the hive bigger, put it that way. Um, you can go with a two deep system, which is two boxes. And, um, you know, a lot of people do that as well. So it just depends on who you want to follow and how you want to follow it. Now, and like you said, you know, you really want to start thinking about ordering bees wintertime, January, when nobody's thinking about it. So it's now August in 2019. Should I be contacting you in January? Or can I do it beforehand? No, you usually start taking orders around January first through the tenth, somewhere around there is when we would basically either throw it up online saying, "Hey, we are now taking package B orders." You can either this year we're at last year we were going to try to do the whole online ordering thing, um, and that didn't go go as planned. So this year we are going to have it where you can just basically order your package Bs online. And, or you can mail in a check or a credit card type of thing like that. Sure. And you said you sell out pretty quick. I mean, do you say we're going to sell X number of packages? Correct. Yep. So you can only get a certain amount on a truckload. And once you pass that truckload point, you have to either, you can't get like a third of a truckload. I mean, you you I mean, you could, but then I the price would outweigh the, you know, you'd have to, I mean, just shipping one full truckload is about $16,000. So well, it sounds like yeah. there's a lot of tech on that truck. Yeah. Like. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's a one-way trip. So, you know, to get a quarter of a truck, probably, you know, the price of the package of bees would be too high and, you know, nobody would want to pay that. And then if I'm looking at doing this this winter, do states or local cities, counties, do they regulate? Well, if you're within this grid of the town you can't have a bee you know you can't have hives do people have to worry about regulations like that um for the most part most counties allow beekeeping beekeeping 
Um, like for instance, Minneapolis, you can keep hives in the middle of Minneapolis with zero yard, zero. I mean, people keep them on decks of apartments and stuff like that. But, and you'd be surprised I'd definitely check. Um, we, uh, we, and when I say we, the U of M and, and us, we are kind of going after certain areas like, uh, Lionel Lakes, for instance, doesn't allow beekeeping in the city. And if anybody's ever been to Lionel Lakes, it's not very populated. Yeah, why? It, it's just board members and it politics. It goes back down to politics, you know? I, I don't understand the politics against Bees. That doesn't make any sense. Especially, to me, I mean, right? that, I I follow a few science pages, and it sounds you know the decline of bee populations worldwide. You'd think cities were dramatic. Like, hey, yeah. let's yeah. Get yeah. It, yep. You figure up. if Cheerios can like acknowledge something's going on, like <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and again, it probably comes down to liability, or, or you know, and 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 the sad thing is, is it it might even come down to the fact that somebody on the board doesn't like bees or is allergic to bees, and that fear populates throughout the whole you know the whole entire board and next thing you know they all vote that hey, no bees in our city okay are they do you typically see their older laws or are they pretty current you know no definitely yeah definitely older yeah yeah it does it come up a lot do you find yeah because actually like i said there's a lot of activists out there that are trying to fight this whole you know why can't we have bees here and and there's kind of some loose laws it's type of the thing where well like in the state of Wisconsin, you're not allowed to wear a duck on the right side of the road on your head during certain months. Kind right. Of, yeah. 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 Or people just say, hey, I'll just keep bees until I get caught type of deal. Now, once I do, I, I have my, my bees ordered and I have my equipment. I mean, how much of a time and commitment am I looking at to keep these guys up and running throughout? Summer is pretty easy around here, but come winter time, especially. Well, actually, winter is, is your probably your most relaxed time when it comes to beekeeping. I, I tell everybody that wants to get into the hobby, it's not so much about how much time you put in, it's about the timing you put in. So you may not have to go into your hive for a couple weeks, but or let's say a whole month for example, but you might have to go in on a specific day or, or limit yourself to a couple days during that month that you will have to do something, whether it be treatments or moving boxes or something basically to help the bees along yeah well the big thing is having your hive swarm and fly off in somewhere else from the day i get my queen to how long out can i expect before i need to go in there and start looking for the i can't remember the the, eggs the next the egg for the next queen yep should i go start preparing to search for it at least yep yep you're gonna want to do that almost almost immediately you know uh you definitely want to give her a couple days just to get used to where she's at and usually you typically start seeing eggs with after the first three days of install and that's something you do want to check because for some reason you may have a bad queen or something you know something happened to her you know when you installed her you need to find that out right away so you can get a replacement so in that first few days it's really just leave it alone let them adjust yep and she won't she won't even start laying right away just because of the transport and you know she's she when you get a package of bees it's a it's a square plastic box and like it has a feeder can in it three pounds of bees and then there's a queen that's in a separate little wooden cage that's attached and so in that transport is the time that the bees got used to that queen because that's not their original queen and, and and that's all pheromones correct, correct. Yeah. yep yep so basically if you threw a brand new queen into a hive they would the hive would instantly kill that queen because that is not their queen 
but bees can kind of realize, hey, I'm queenless right now and this is the only option I have. So after a certain time period, they'll get used to that queen. And that's kind of usually why we like getting them from California because they have plenty of time on the road up to get used to that queen. Then you can go ahead and put her in the hive. <clears throat> so what about the worker bees during that adjustment period? Should you leave them alone as well or just pull the plug and let them start to do their thing? So basically when you install a package of bees, you put the queen and we, we there's a couple different ways to release a queen and we want to we want you guys to be successful. So we do, it's called the marshmallow method. Basically it's, like I said, you have that little queen cage, it's a little wooden cage with a screen on it and there's a cork in one end. We tell you to take the cork out, replace it with a marshmallow, and then hang that queen cage in the frames with all the bees in there. And over a certain time period, a couple hours, they'll chew through the marshmallow, which will then allow the queen to be released. And then she'll crawl out and start doing her thing. So it's just like a slow release, so they're both getting used to each other. Correct. It's exactly, yep, it's exactly what it's called. It's actually called a slow release. Good job. <laughs> I'm smart. Yeah. <laughs> now buy a package of bees from Nature's You, you guys should hear my uh, my movie pitches. Uh, <laughs> <Jesus Yeah. laughs> if you'd like to hear a disaster movie pitch, go to Department of Defense episode uh, two eighty seven. Two eighty seven. That was it's quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, that was time that I'm never gonna get back in my life. <laughs> I you helped. <laughs> yeah. Last time you were on the show, we talked a lot about hive retention, and you mentioned. You know, a few years ago, it's pretty good if you can keep 30-50% of your hive over the, your first year. It, largely due to the mite issue that came over from, from Asia. Has the industry been doing anything to help with improvements with the mites and treatments and such for that? Oh yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's coming a long ways even just in the year that we had talked. Um, different treatments are coming out and the U of M just built uh, a very large bee lab. So specifically to study honeybees and that is helping out tremendously. And that's why we, we love working with the U of M. What, what, I mean, what kind of treatments are available around here at least? Um, basically there's, uh, there's synthetic brands and then there's, um, more of a natural or organic, uh, organic treatments. And most of the treatments are an acid of some sort. And, I mean, is there a big end result? I mean, if I'm going with the organic or the synthetic, is it going to affect my nectar or my honey? Certain, yeah, definitely. Um, certain organic treatments you're not allowed to use when, you're, when you have your honey supers on for collecting honey. And all of the uh, organic treatments are, I, I don't know if I should be really saying organic treatments, but it's definitely a safe treatment that you are allowed to use with your bees, with your honey super on that doesn't affect humans, basically. What about affecting the bees themselves? Do I should I worry about you know treatment one versus two or three? Oh, definitely. Yep. All the treatments are temperature sensitive, so you you, you really have to pay attention to that. And uh, the directions are written right on the package for a reason. And please follow them because you know we get beekeepers in all the time. I well I put four strips on when they should have put two, and you know all my bees are dead or my queen's dead. You know it's just. I don't want to say common sense, but it's pretty much follow the directions that are given to you. Read and, the labels. Yeah, read the labels. Yeah. <laughs> what What about other pests? I mean, you, of course, I mean, bears are a big one. Not bears so much in the city, but you get in the rural spots, especially oh, yeah. where I live. There's Definitely. a lot of bears. You get and possums, raccoons. Bears are really like bad in the 100-acre woods, but I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, are, this year has been uh, just a boom year for, for bear attacks on hives. It's, oh, really? Oh, yeah, more than... 
more than ever. I mean, it's, it's, and I don't know if the, you know, the bear population is obviously coming back. There's people that, that come into the store that have been beekeeping for 20 years in the same exact spot, never seen a bear and they, and they're seeing bears this year. So yeah, that's always something you want to worry because it's so hit or miss with a bear. I mean, and, and once it's hit, it's not something that it's easily recoverable. I mean, bears do severe damage to beehives. Well, I mean, and is it is it an issue where you have to worry about the bear coming back, or the equipment's destroyed, or a little bit of both, or oh, both for sure. Bears okay. once they find the spot, they will be back nightly, every single night until they get exactly everything that they want. And the bears, bears aren't really the bears. Yeah. Uh, I've been here too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are the ones with the antlers. So you watch yeah, out right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, they're actually looking for the larvae, and not so much the honey. The honey is just a bonus. The larvae is what they want. They want that protein. Protein. Yep, yep. That's what they're looking for. For the smaller pests, I mean, aside from a twenty-two, what can what kind of steps could I take to keep them away? Yeah, as far as smaller pests, there's really not. I mean, skunks are probably the next closest thing, and they pretty much scratch at the hive and eat the bees as they come out. So the damage. Even though they're eating bees, it's it's very minimal to the hive. But I mean, you know, again, electric fence will take care of all of your pretty much all of your pests, large animal fur bearer pests. And of course, you know, the big thing here in the United States, there's still pesticides being used where other countries, especially in Europe, have outlawed. Should I worry about my neighbors using different pesticides, or you know, you see the different lawn treatments out there to kill the weeds? I mean, yeah, it's is that gonna can that affect? my bees directly and can it affect the nectar not so much the nectar because basically they're killing the weeds that the bees would feed on so they wouldn't even have a chance to feed but it's more along the lines of drift and um you know that that pesticide getting back into the honey into the honeycomb the actual wax of the bees neonicotoids is is the main thing with that so um yeah i mean it's definitely not good and a lot of times it's really not even necessary uh you know, I went to a, a spray-free yard, and my yard looks great. And I have clover and and weeds. All I mean, you know, obviously creeping Charlie and stuff are a little bit of an annoyance, but it, it's something that you can deal with without a pesticide or without any kind of a weed killer. Plus, you know, look at all the lawsuits with Roundup and everything. It's like <laughs> I don't even understand why people would want to even mess with it anymore. Right? But, well, you still, I is still there get to a, my flyer every spring? Is yep. is there a so say I want to start keeping bees, but my neighbors are doing a bunch of stuff to the yard to get like the perfect yard? You know, is there a, like a good easy resource I can give them or? You know, as far as that goes... Like, as far as education. Uh, yeah, yeah, just talking to your neighbors would be the best thing. And, and again, you have to figure that a bee, if there's nothing there for them to get, they pretty much wouldn't spend too much time in yeah. the neighbor's yard. So they'll just basically or if, fly somewhere so else. So if, if, like, I have a neighbor who wants to plant something to help bees, is yep. there, like, is, is there a resource where you can be like... These are the plants that are good. These are the ones that are bad. Or yeah, again, revert back to the U of M. They got a bunch of good uh, tips on their website as far as pollinator plants. Okay. And Minnesota, there's a couple uh, Minnesota Pollinator Club. You know, there's clubs that you can join and stuff like that. The Master Gardeners is another good one um, as far as planting. You know, and it's funny, too, because the number one thing that bees get nectar from, it's not necessarily plants. It's more along the line of weeds. You know, the, the, the pest things is what, you know, clover and purple loosestrife and bird's foot trefoil, all these things that people, you know, are trying to keep out, are trying yeah. to keep out or the number one nectar source, you know, so, uh, like I was looking at dandelions, you know, after yep. you were on August of last year and, you know, the spring I was looking at all the dandelions in the yard and like, 
should mow the grass, but I kind of want to give the bees, you know, an opportunity <laughs> yeah. to come by real quick. And and for whatever reason, this year, dandelion was just a boom. I mean, uh, me personally, I was filling up a couple supers worth of dandelion honey, which is is a really good thing, uh, especially early, because dandelions is one of the first things that come out. You know, you have your fruit trees as your, pretty much your first bloom. And then dandelions is next, and yeah, it was just a really... And it seemed like a really early bloom. I have a crab apple tree right in front of my, my living room, and that bloomed way earlier than I've seen, you know, in the past, crab apples or other apple trees for that matter. Well, bloom. it just had, I think it was more along the lines of we had such a crappy spring that it felt early because winter was late. So long. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of triggered everybody to think. And actually, everything was late this year as far as bloom goes. Huh. So, so uh, when you're looking at so you, like fruit, uh, your your fruit blossom honey, and then your dandelion honey, how do you determine what? I, I feel like we talked about this last time, but I can't quite remember. Like, how do you like be like? Okay, so this is dandelion honey, and this is, or is it just what's blooming at that time? It's or? basically what's blooming. Okay. And there's nothing else for them to get, so you know that's what they're getting. Okay. Type of deal. Yep. Yep. Well, from first bloom to. Uh, after the first bloom, how soon can I go in and start collecting some nectar for myself? And how much should I leave? We talked about how much to leave there over the winter. How much should I leave during this, you know, during the blooming season, the summer season while they're still collecting? Yeah, typically when you, ex- it's called extracting. And when you want to extract honey, you definitely want to wait for them, for the bees to cap it. Because if you collect it too early, it can ferment, and now you have mead. So maybe that might not I be don't such see a, a problem here. It might know. not be a bad thing at all. <laughs> but uh, typically your season, like people are starting to extract right now, um, kind of threw some things out on the blog and the, the website, you know, that you might want to wait a little bit longer because of the fact that we were so late this year to start extracting honey because um, we still have... You know, right now on the way here, over here to Wisconsin, I noticed there was still a ton of white sweet clover, which is one of the big, big, big um, nectar recoveries for a bee is white sweet clover. There was still a ton of that blooming and all the things that I listed before. And we still have goldenrod, which is pretty much the cutoff. That's about the end thing. Once you see goldenrod done is typically when you could start to harvest. And, you know, for equipment, I've started to see... You know, good old Facebook target ads, the um, hive where you kind of like move a lever and it moves the combs. The, <laughs> the flow the, hive. Yes. Yeah. Is that is that a, a good thing or is that just more If you live in gimmicky? Australia. <laughs> <laughs> um, it definitely has its purpose. It's extremely expensive. I mean, for the price that you can get for a flow hive, you could pretty much buy two other complete colonies with with equipment and gear and everything for the price of one flow hive and the flow hive is only for extracting of honey that's the only purpose it's for so you still have to deal with minnesota winter wisconsin winter you still have to deal with all that and the flow hive doesn't coexist for anyone listening if you haven't seen it it's uh look at imagine your you know typical honeycomb and it's this what plastic i guess it's all plastic yeah and when you pull the lever it just kind of sets it a little bit offset and that honey then flows down for you serpentines down the honeycomb and then goes into a tube and the tube supposedly goes out and then you sit there and fill up jars so is it like just harvesting it without uh cutting the caps off it's basically harvesting without entering the hive okay and and like i said in theory it's all well and good but you got to figure Minnesota, Wisconsin, North and South Dakota, we're the, we're the major honey producers in the world. 
as far as honey production. You know, I mean, we're it's it's huge. You know, California's right up there too. But but you know, in Australia, they don't have the nectar flow season like we have. So, like one person brought up, you know, when when you sit there and open a tap and all this honey flows out. Well, when when you're collecting your honey, the bees want the honey as well. So you're just promoting, it's called robbing. And basically hives would go into a weaker hive and steal the honey out of that. Well, now you're, you're openly extracting honey right behind a hive. And most people have more than one hive. So you're just promoting all the bees to fly right around and start robbing all this. I, I just see it as being kind of a nightmare. And I don't know if I would ever, I mean, I, you know, would I ever do one maybe just to test it? But other than that, I, I highly don't recommend so it. So when, when you expose honey near a hive, it promotes other hives to come in and take that honey. Oh, it, bees in general. So, I mean, yeah, so your, so the traditional method of pulling, pulling it out, slicing the caps off and draining the, the comb is the, the best way to do it because you're doing it away from the hive? Typically, yeah. You okay. have some kind of a facility in your garage, house, whatever, you know. You wouldn't typically do that right in the bee yard. In yeah. fact, when we extract honey, we pull a super off, and, and however you remove the bees so, from the super, there's a bunch of different ways to remove So what bees. is a super? Uh, honey super or a medium, it's basically a skinnier version of the deeper box. And the reason it's skinny is because you stack so many on top and it's it's hard to, you know, if you fill up a deep, if a deep was completely full of honey, you're talking close to 100 pounds. Oh, wow. So, you know, and a, a super can be anywhere between 40 and 60 pounds. So it's a lot easier on the beekeeper. So, so when you when you remove those bees and you pull a super off, you literally have to put it on a dolly and cover it right away because the bees are just right back in there again. So imagine that where you have no way to cover this flow hive and you just have open honey dripping out the back of a hive. I just kind of see it as maybe maybe not just, we'll just say it's not right for northern climates. Ease, Let's put ease it for the beginning beekeeper, but shitty for the hive. I, uh, well, I wouldn't, maybe. Yeah, but. not shitty for the hive because it's still the same collection. I and mean, you know, you're probably disrupting the bees Well, less. but you're, you're bringing in all these thieves who... Correct. Yeah, yeah, you could promote something that you definitely do not want yep. anywhere near your hives. Correct. Yep. yep. What about, so if I'm, you know, if I have the wood box hives, traditional, I got to cut the caps. Can I just take my kitchen knife or is there a... Oh, yeah. I mean, there's you can people that? do it on the cheap. I mean, there's there's tons of different ways to do everything in the world pretty much you know and there's there's tools and there's gimmicks and there's everything out there um you know that's why when we when people come into our store we just i just tell people what i do i'm not saying that's what you have to do this is just what i do and this is kind of the ease of it and i kind of explain to people hey you know for instance one person has one hive he only needs a certain amount of equipment well the next person over has four hives well obviously the equipment that the one person with one hive has is useless to the guy that yeah, has it's four. gonna be four times the work exactly yeah. exactly so you you kind of grow your equipment as you grow your your hobby pretty much so i came to you and i bought my equipment and i got some tips and tools on how i should harvest but all of a sudden it's sunday and it's midnight and I'm like, oh, shit, I got to get honey tomorrow. And I kind of forgot a few things. How can people go online and, you know, obviously with you have YouTube and Google. How do you tell what's bullshit and what's this is a legit beekeeper and they they know what they're doing. They have a handle on it. It's not just some kid. Yep. He started growing bees in in, in uh, May and 
now all of a sudden he's a YouTube star in August. I feel like what Gordon's asking is, where's the Nature's Nectar uh, YouTube tutorial series? Yes, actually, and it's <laughs> and it's funny you say that because <laughs> we just happen to have just such a it thing. up here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's actually we're actually in transition of tra- changing the YouTube handle from from its previous to Nature's Nectar. So right now, right now it's under Bee Fitter, and that's B E E F I T T E R. Because um, the former former owner was a pipe fitter and a beekeeper, so he just joined the two names. So, um, and actually, his <laughs> his videos have quite the following. I mean, it's it's kind of staggering. I mean, you know, YouTube the whole commercial type thing. I mean, they've offered to pay him and everything. So, oh wow. So hopefully, when we get that changed, the name changed over, we can kind of. I don't care about the money part of it, but it's just. What I tell people, the knowledge on yeah, the, yep, the S- SEO, 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 yes, SEO, yep. And what I tell people is, if you are in Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, if you're in that northern state, and you pull up how to beekeep on YouTube, and the video that comes up, whatever it may be, the first one you click on, click on, if if it starts with a guy talking in a southern twang. You need to go to the next video because whatever they're doing, and that's not a dig on the South. That's just a dig on. And it was a different yeah, climate. Totally different. And it is it is staggering how many people come in here and say, I seen this on YouTube. Why are my bees doing this? Or why are they dying? Or well, why are they doing this? it's January yeah, right. and <laughs> it's cold as fuck out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we just, we get so many people that rely on. The internet, which used to be a great form of information, is now almost information overload with too much of the wrong information for what you are trying to accomplish. And I was listening to another podcast. They have so every twenty four hours, more information is loaded onto the internet prior to what I can't remember the exact date they said, but like from the first written text discovered to I want to say like the fifteen or sixteen hundreds. More data is put into the internet in 24 hours oh, than a thousand th- years worth of history. Years. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it because now it's just it's just so accessible. So everybody throws a video, and whether their video is right or wrong, they're going to post it on there. So, and that's what kind of why I kind of push people. You know, it's it's not so much stay away from the internet. Basically, you know, stay away from it. Join a join a beekeeping club. Go to a class that you know, and follow whoever your whoever you're learning from because again like i said there's three beekeepers one question 10 different answers so just you just have to pick one person or one way or one however you're doing it and follow that and if i'm doing everything by the book but i still lose half or my entire high of that first year i mean should i beat myself up over it or it's like well you know can't predict the weather right right and and that's exactly that i mean we're Minnesota is a 52% state, according to, you know, studies that were done a couple of years ago. So 52% of your hives will, will make it through the winter. 48% of them will die. So typically it's always good to have two hives because you have a really good chance of pushing one of those all the way through winter. And you can use that one hive to replace that dead one. How does that work then? Should I order a new queen the next year or can I just take one of the eggs the following summer or spring and put that into the new hive and let the bees do their thing both now again you're you're in northern climate so you're always working against time time is your biggest issue with beekeeping all of our uh 
you know, three hour summers that we have. Out right. There. <laughs> we have a sh- very short window. So you can do things the natural way and some people try it and then they figure out it's just a lot easier just to go buy a queen and just introduce a new queen with your divide. Now you're done. So you mentioned, you know, introducing a new queen. They had that whole time in the truck from California to Minnesota. How much time, if I just order a new queen, but I already have high, you know, a couple of hives established, how long should I let them act, acclimate to one another? So we'll, we'll, we'll back up a little bit because so, so let's say you get, you, you get two hives, 2019, make it through the winter and one of them died. Now you still have one good hive and you have a complete dead hive. So when you, when you have a package of bees like that, and we'll just say it's a colony now because it's no longer a package, now you're going to be able to divide or split that hive. And how to do that is you have to have at least four frames of cap brood to do a divide. So if you come out of winter and your queen starts laying again, everything gets up to par, and she's a, it's a good, strong colony, and you have enough um, brood to do a divide, then you would do a divide, and that's where you would buy or make a new queen for the divide. The old queen can stay with the hive. Now, again, you're talking, you're back into agriculture where some people say once that queen's made it through the winter, you remove that queen and put a new queen in there and start because that's the whole agricultural thing of fresh stock and, you know, good breeding and blah, blah, blah. So, so um, you were saying earlier that, like, for packages, you're done. Like you, you do your ordering in January and you're sold out by what February, February, March. March. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I haven't quite made it through the winter yet. I don't like, when do I know if a hive is going to be dead or not? That is the million dollar question. Okay. (laughs) Yep. And so when, when, so is it smart to just order new Queens in January? And if you don't need them, you don't need them. Or can I go out to the hive with the stethoscope and listen, if there's no buzzing, like, yeah, they're probably definitely. Creek. Yeah. It's called knocking. Go up to your hive and give it a knock. And if you hear it goes, well, you know, it's alive. Now the tricky thing is, is bees tend to really do what they want to do and not what you want them to do. <laughs> I don't know where they no. get it from. How <laughs> the arrogance of some of these bees is just ridiculous. But um, so it's like raising a three-year-old. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Right. And right when you think you've got it made, you don't have it made. So you'll check on your bees in January. Everything's good. You know. Okay, my bees are alive. I don't have to order bees. You go back in three weeks later, and every single bee that you have is dead. So there's that fine line of whether or whether or not to order packages. And again, that's always up to the, the orderee. You know, basically, you're going to have to decide, are my bees going to be able to make it through this next stretch, which is always the dead zone, the deadly, deadly part of the year, which is basically February and March. Is the, 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 the deadline for ordering bees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the dead line. Yeah, two, two words. Two words. So what if it's May, you know, May of 2000, uh, I want to say 12 or 13, that first week and we got a bad snowstorm and I go out and I, my bees are now dead. Can I contact you? Like I'm up a Creek right now. I have no paddle. Is there any way I can get some bees? You and about 600 other people. Yes, definitely contact us. <laughs> Whether or not we can help you is a different story. Whether we can direct you to the right place. Yes, definitely. We, there's always an option early in the year. Um, whether it be, you know, you might just have to wait a little while. And again, 
you're missing that window that you really need to have you know mm-hmm. that that whole april march thing is is a big is a big big key in that you have to figure out am i going to miss this whole two months and wait and get a nuke or some something from somebody else or am i going to just bite the bullet i'm going to order a package of bees and i'm going to grow my colony or my apiary whether i like it or not so if you if you order a package of bees and it turns out that your hive miraculously that you thought was dead isn't can you add those bees to that hive or they need to go into a different hive uh, the dead colony or the larva? or well so like so you you, you <clears throat> think it's dead right yep. or like you knock on it you don't hear any buzzing but then like three weeks later you see bees oh yeah and you've already ordered what do you do you now have two colonies of bees oh, okay yeah. all right yeah <laughs> Yeah. You just buy more equipment. Sorry to say, no no <laughs> refunds in the package order. Well, no, I, I wasn't sure if you could add them to an existing colony or if you just it would be it wouldn't help you very much okay. to add that because now you just basically paid for that. So you get a package of bees and you also get a brand new queen. So you would have to pick which queen to kill, which in my eyes hopefully would be the one that just made it through winter, which sucks to try to kill that queen. But right, now you got a brand new young lady here <laughs> versus your little milf that you had for a little while. So. <laughs> Well, so that happens. I now have two colonies of bees. Is there a minimum distance I should keep them apart from one another? Or is it, you know, we're in a studio, which is not very big. I could have one on that end. I could have one over on this end. And they're like, well, we're here's not the putting Smiths bees and in here's the, the Jones. You say Gordon. that? We had a cricket. <laughs> Let's just bring back the bees. Yeah, I could pop an observation hive right through that wall right there. And we could have bees sitting in here all day long. <laughs> the, the, the squeaking was, or the cricket well, they, was enough. I do they kind of adjust like, well, there's a hive over here. We're not going to screw with them too much. And we're, there's this hive over here. Will they kind of. I guess uh, are, are they, they mingle? Are yeah. they simpatico? Yeah. Um, no, typically, I mean, it's it's the you just got to figure your involvement in this. You know, do you want to have bees at two different locations, or do you want to have bees at one end of the yard versus the other end? Typically, you run your hives right next to each other, so a couple feet apart. Um, you know, there's always different ways to do it, and again, back to the whole everybody has an answer, and you, you know. I, I, I run mine about a foot and a half, two feet apart from each other. Commercial guys stack four, four colonies on a pallet, all facing each direction. So, I mean, there's no written rule on how far you should have them apart, but you and give them a little bit of space so you, you, the beekeeper, can work your bees. And we've talked about that. I mean, you, bees fly up to several miles. Correct. And, yep. you know, will, we were talking about transportation. If you wanted to go and drop it off in an orchard, you know, they can do a couple loops around their hive and fly off and find their home again. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, they'll kind of keep to them to yeah. the right yep. in that case. Yep. They'll go right back to their home again. Yep. Uh, you mentioned, you know, go and follow a beekeeper, you know, talk, look on forums. I've had a couple hop farmers, uh, Eric from Stone, uh, uh, not Stonehill. One Saint, in St. Croix Falls. St. Croix Valley. St. Croix Valley Hops and John from Stonehill Hop Farms. And they are part of the Minnesota Hop Growers Association. Is there anything like that around here that people can go either be a member of or is there any recommended forums or social media sites that they can go and either bounce ideas off of or hear stuff from experience? Yes, there is bee clubs everywhere. Um, There's Wisconsin still. I mean, there is there's probably one bee club per city minimum, if not couple. So, uh, yes, that's, it is a great thing to do. Join a bee club, you know, it's attendance one, usually bee clubs meet once a month and it's user priority, 
priority. Whatever's going on at that time. <laughs> Prerogative? No. No. Um, Pro- uh, proprietary. 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 There we go. To what's going on. Wow. You've been down here way too long. Yeah, definitely. Is it hot in here? <laughs> I am I just dumb? Going to blame the alcohol. <laughs> so um, what's going on in the club? The club meet and they talk about what's going on, what you need to do for your... And, and we have a blog um, on Nature's Nectar site, what to do with my bees this week. And we post a blog every single... Every day, if not every other day, on what you're supposed to do with your bees. So when winter hits, are you just like, let them sleep? Yeah. yeah. For like four weeks in a row? It's more along the lines of... Look, don't touch. (laughs) Get your equipment ready for next year. Start making this type of honey. So, hey, we're running a sale on this this (laughs) way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Now, what about the... So the U of M, they just... I I couldn't find an exact date, but it sounds like fairly recently they started the U of M Bee Lab course. it's titled Beekeeping Northern Climates Year One, which uh, listeners can find at beelab.umn.edu. Have you attended that class before? I've you s- said you work with them. Yep, I've attended the the first year class twice and the second year class three times. So, excellent couldn't pass course. the first one, or yeah, thank God there wasn't a test. <laughs> <laughs> Because that would look pretty bad uh, if the owner of Nature's Nectar couldn't pass a bee test. Yeah, um, great course. It is literally the best course. Um, I tell people to go to it all the time. Again, another thing that you have to be prepared on because it sells out lightning fast. And the last couple of years, they've actually done a second first year course class, so people can take. And it's dying. I mean it. It is the fastest eight-hour class that you've ever sat down in. And they give you lunch and breakfast, and yeah. there's lots of breaks and everything. I was just looking at today. Today's August 4th of 2019, and I was looking at I think it's like 130 150 bucks, something like that. And yep. like, lunch is included. Here's what to expect, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and it is. And when I, you know, people say, eight hours, I am not sitting in a classroom for it's eight hours. Bad. It is unbelievable staggeringly fast i mean it is you next thing you know you're looking up and we're like oh it's lunchtime already pretty soon it's time to go and you're looking down at your notebook going well wait a minute can we stay here for another another 45 minutes and talk because i have <laughs> is so it many just more like questions. a crash course in beekeeping or yeah pretty much and you know the two top guys in their field um marla and gary are the are usually the speakers that's and the name that i so a listener actually piped in um I was talking to earlier. They listened to the first episode. They mentioned Gary Ruder. Yes. Yep. Um, they gave a quick beekeeper into wealth and knowledge, respect, and blah blah. Uh, so somewhere not, in here, they not not only it. the knowledge. Um, do you get the opportunity to network with other either like new beekeepers or existing beekeepers? Typically, the entire the class is is brand new beekeepers. And outside the class, we have a information booth set up, and you know we have. You know, all the, our information as far as getting your package bees, because again, you're taking this class in the winter, and right behind that is when the bees are coming. So it's it's a great course not only for Nature's Nectar but for everybody that takes it, because there's other vendors there. They give you the bee, uh, the U of M, gives you a gigantic book, uh, uh, two two different books on how to basically how to beekeep for dummies, pretty much, and it's just a dynamite class. I highly highly recommend it. So, I mean, I've taken now year one and year two. Is there at a point where, like, I don't need to do this anymore? Or is it a con- you know, a continuing education kind of hobby? Yeah, and that's kind of why I took it more than once, just, just because I might have missed something that I, you know, 
10-year beekeeper plus as, as you know might have missed and and it's just it's funny when i go i mean here i am kicking as much knowledge out as i can to my customers and i'm taking a first year beekeeper class for the third time you know and it's just it's so much information it's great have you have you seen uh the information that you're receiving during the class evolve over the years like oh definitely are, are there yep. are there new fit new oh, techniques yeah. yep. and yep. stuff like that yeah especially so it's more of like can you continue an education versus correct yep yeah i mean would you take it four times probably not um but would you take would, it would you take it another time in a few years yeah exactly that's where i was getting at yeah definitely hit it up again because obviously with everything everything's evolving changing we might in three years from now we might have the key the golden ticket to these these mites how to get rid of them and and of course that class is going to broadcast that as much as they possibly can so aside from the class i mean where can is there like the facebook group go, to go to or the website outside of nature's nectar hobby where, beekeepers yeah there's a there's a bunch of websites there's a bunch of facebook pages for sure um, um and again they're always linked to some club of some sort so and of course you know the with the internet there's always that keyboard warrior the person that knows more than anybody else oh yeah yeah as a first time first year beekeeper is there any like keywords you know red flags that can pop up that i know okay they're kind of talking out their ass but this guy over here kind of seems they have a little bit more of a handle on it right and and that's that's again we'll go back to where are they talking from are they are they in minnesota or are they in texas because again you're 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 following something that may not have anything to do with where you live and i can't stress this enough when you see here a southern twang on there it's time to change the channel because it's most likely not viable or not usable in your where you're at in northern climates you need to hear at least one eh? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you can get somebody on there from canada i'd probably follow him because yeah. if you can keep a bee alive in canada you got something <laughs> you're you got an ace up your sleeve somewhere I mean, even in southern parts of Canada, do they have a fairly large beekeeping programs? I'm pretty sure all over the country there's there's solid solid beekeeping so clubs you, and once programs. Once you get that ass end of Ontario, you know, it's, you're right. probably not keeping bees up there. Right. But. Well, I mean, there's a group in Iceland, so you know, and and Iceland Iceland's got a handle on it. I mean. They're, they have basically a mite-free community up there because nothing's allowed in and out. I mean, everything has to be inspected. Everything has to be radiated. I mean, it's it's quite the program up there. And, you know, if you think you have a short growing time in Wisconsin or Minnesota, can you imagine what Iceland's like? And don't yeah, quote three me. weeks, and then everything's just like, all right, well, we have the volcano here, so. Right. <laughs> yeah, and go buy a jar of honey in Iceland once. You think you think the price is bad at the farmer's market? <laughs> Try paying. I had to mortgage my house for a second time to get this right. jar of honey. Yeah, talking about 60-something dollars an ounce in Iceland. Holy cow. So. so. Well, last time we were on, we were talking about the different flavors of honey. And, you know, Casey, you brought up the, you know, you, as a home brewer. As a home brewer, yeah. uh, Orange Blossom. Blah, orange blah. Blossom is kind of like the the big one that we can always find yeah. as. And I, I kind of wrote that off. I'm like, how the hell is honey going to taste like an orange? Blah, blah, Well, I just got honey from my aunt's brother. He had 25 five-gallon buckets full of honey. He's like, just take it. So she brought me a big, giant mason jar, and I tried it for the first time. I'm like... My God, this tastes like freaking orange zest, blossomy awesomeness. I yeah, mean. yeah. I mean, you have clover honey, you have wildflower honey, you have buckwheat honey, which, 
you know, I, I do have a handle on buckwheat honey and buckwheat honey is, is basically, I like to call it old school honey because basically back in the day, I, I, I get a ton of customers that come up to me and they're older customers and they immediately see that honey and they're like, that's the honey I grew up with. Not this nice golden yellow honey, but this dark black molasses looking stuff. And they buy it instantly because it's that back in the day, buckwheat was a stable crop and that's what everybody planted. And now it's it's not used at all hardly anymore. And it's really tough to get that buckwheat. But yeah, definitely a, a different flavor. When we sell it at the market, we, we I basically make people try it before they buy it type of thing because it's a it's a 50 50. And, and if you're the 50 percent that likes it. It's not like it's it's passionately love this bottle of honey because it is it is something different. Yeah. Do you get many like you know home brewers and with craft beer boom? Do you get many people come to you looking? Hey, I want to buy your honey, but do you have stuff for home brewing, or can I just find you at the farmers market? Excuse me, and take that home and start brewing with it. Yeah, definitely not at the farmers market because at uh, you know by the pound at the farmer's market probably wouldn't be very viable. So find it at the farmer's market and <laughs> then talk to me behind the farmer's market. Scene. Well, no, no. Yeah. Pay those farmer market prices. <laughs> yeah. At- yeah. Right. Yeah. Please, please do. Yeah. I'll, I'll be retiring or- early and Gordon, Gordon will be taking over the business. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, we, de- we sell bulk honey. Yes. So we sell it by basically the 55 gallon drum. Do you have like an A grade, B grade, like the A grade that you sell or no? Nope. Okay. We're all top notch. Okay. Yeah. We don't have B grade honey and, and B grade honey is typically a mixed honey or again, back to the whole corn syrup thing. You know, you kind of, if you're, you're doing homebrew, I guess I'm not much of a homebrew type of guy. So I don't know what that would, what kind of effect that would have on your, your, your final product as far as quality. But in my eyes, I guess if you're going to brew something and drink all of it, I would probably want to know where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, my parents just came home with some actual honeycomb itself and yeah. I cut off a little piece and tried I'm like, Ooh, this is going to taste you. Oh yeah. I wonder if I could dry hop kind of style with this. No. No. No, you're just adding simple sugar to it. All you're going to do is thin your beer. You're why, not gonna get why do you flavor. this guy step on my dreams like that? <laughs> I, I'm not stepping on them. I'm letting you know what will happen. He's putting slight pressure on your throat. <laughs> Well, Tom, now that you're not just online, but also online, where can people find you if they want to get in touch and start ordering come this winter? Uh, yeah, naturesnectaronline.com. We have website, we have email, we have a phone number, um, you know, call, come into the shop uh, anytime you want to talk to. That's kind of our MO is basically helping people with beekeeping and and you know check our facebook page out for sure sign up for that we're always doing giveaways you know hives theater tickets and again right back to that information network it's all people from your area most likely if you join the page and you get answers right there on facebook and you can converse with other you know people and yeah ask questions. i saw somebody post a quick question on your on your public forum on facebook and i think it like the little tag underneath it was like one hour later you responded yep yeah yeah, i try to get to it as fast as i can i mean obviously when we get into that busy season and you know start taking package b orders i got 4800 packages to sell so (laughs) i might take a little longer than an hour to respond but i i try to be there you know definitely i'm i'm out doing fleet farm that's all i care about (laughs) (laughs) so what is your social media handles for people that want to look on there um, so we have naturesnectaronline.com. That's uh, our email address and our storefront. And then we have Nature's Nectar LLC on Facebook. 
and uh, we also have Nature's Nectar blog blog site. Perfect. And for anyone that's looking to get into beekeeping going into this next season, I mean, is there any advice that you'd offer them? Order your bees in January. <laughs> that's the number one advice. Um, other than that, just pick a mentor, pick a you know, pick somebody to follow. Um, you know, if you want to go it alone, it's it's definitely you know a good thing. Give me a call. I'll 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 give you my advice and my pitch on what I think how you should do it. Again, this is not Bible. This is just the way that I do it, and and it's perfectly fine to follow anybody you like, but just kind of stick with one way to do it. Try not to go off on too many different paths or trinkets or, you know, gimmicks and stuff like that. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Tom, for coming down to the studio. I really appreciate it. And thank you for everyone tuning into this episode. Uh, Make sure to stay up to date with future guests and episodes by following on the show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Vero, all at Rules of the Arena Podcast. Make sure to follow the show on Twitch where you can tune into the show and join the conversations. Just head over to twitch.tv slash rules of the arena. You can also find this episode and all others on blindangelstudios.com slash ROA. Also available for download and streaming on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and CastBox. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can watch the live stream recordings of previous episodes. And if you'd like to support the show, there are a couple of ways you can help out. Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also support the show directly by going to patreon.com slash rules of the arena podcast. I have a couple ways you can help out there. If you'd like to get a hold of me or be on the show, please shoot me an email to roapodcastinfo at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out my newest show called No Story Left Behind. Uh, It's a podcast featuring veterans telling the stories of their careers in the military. Thanks again, folks, and we will catch you next time.